Masonic history has a proud tradition of using art and illustration to show the truth and the history and the glory of what we know and how we observe and how we understand so much within the craft. We also get to know a lot of our historical figures through such imagery. However, not all this imagery is historically accurate. Well, some brothers that we have on the show this evening went to some really deep lengths of making sure that a excellent portrait of Prince Hall was historically accurate and pleasing for years to come. We got an excellent show based around this this evening, uh, hoping to get a lot of questions for you guys, really dig in on this topic of just who Prince Hall was, how is this historically accurate, why does that matter, and where does it go from here? So stick with us right after this. We have an excellent show on Historical Light. Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Historical Light, live right here on both Facebook, YouTube, Stitch, all kinds of stuff. So happy to have you guys with us. Seeing we got a bunch of you joining in right now. Definitely let us know in the comments that you're watching. If you got comments and questions throughout this, throw those in there and we'll try to get all those answered for you. My name is Alex Powers. Of course, I'm your host of Historical Light. We have some excellent guests this evening with us. I'm um, just going the order we have on our screen here. Uh, Brother Ken Collins, Brother Ryan Flynn, and Brother Oscar, Oscar Allen. My apologies. Uh, brothers, if you don't mind, I want to go around and have you kind of further introduce yourself. Let us know who you are and your Masonic experience a little bit. Uh, Brother Ken, if you don't mind. Oh, hold on, brother. We got you muted. Okay. Can you hear me now? There we go. Gotcha. Outstanding. Thanks so much for having me on, um, Alex. Um, I'm Ken Collins. I'm a member of the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Alabama. Um, uh, my lodge is Tuxedo Lodge number 431 out of Tux out of Fairfield, Alabama. Uh, my Masonic journey is unlike uh, some people's. I actually came in through a clandestine organization, which I did not know I was joining a clandestine organization. And uh, in terms of family history, I had an uncle who happened to be Ezra Cherry, who was the Grand Master of the Most Worshipful Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Indiana. Uh, of Indiana. I go down to school. I, I happened to call the Grand Lodge of Alabama and say, I'm looking for a lodge. They say, uh, you need to go down to uh, 6th Street at 6th Avenue South and join a lodge there. And I happened to meet a gentleman and he, was wearing a big Masonic t-shirt, a giant belt buckle, brought me in and lo and behold, I was in a clandestine organization. Long story short, I ended up learning about clandestine Freemasonry and getting healed in the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Alabama. And we can uh, easily say the rest is history and I serve as the uh, Grand Historian for the Grand Lodge of Alabama, Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Alabama now. And one of the ardent um, opponents of clandestine Freemasonry. <laughs> rightfully so man thank you so much for being here and you guys got an intro to live up to there i mean how can you top that right <laughs> we really appreciate you having here brother uh brother ryan flynn if you wouldn't mind introduce yourself yeah my name is uh, ryan flynn i'm the uh, district deputy grand education officer for the grand lodge of new hampshire um, the way I came into masonry was uh, a little backwards uh, i had studied art history and um and, and art and uh, I learned quite a bit about Renaissance architecture and somehow it came up and um, I had a friend who had joined he didn't really talk about it that much and um, 
finally I started looking into it and it sounded like something that I wanted to be a part of. And uh, I was very fortunate enough to, to join a lodge that gave me a bunch of attention and pointed me in the right direction. And two years after I joined, I did my first Masonic art and uh, it has not stopped since. It's kind of overwhelming my wife now. So, so, uh, <laughs> so it's the where, it's where I'm going now, but uh, it's been good. I've been a Mason for 12 years now. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. And of course, Brother Oscar Allen, thank you so much for being here. If you wouldn't mind to let everyone know just who you are. Hi, my name is Oscar Allen. I follow Ken Collins around uh, in a way of making sure uh, we don't get ourselves into trouble. Um, actually, it's ironic. He said, how do you top that? Ken and I have a very similar story as far as our origins of Freemasonry. Um, I, um, in college, um, what, you know, was studying about the history of, um, of fraternal organizations in America when I was joining my college fraternity. And uh, lo and behold, ended up joining a lodge in Queens, New York. Um, and was a member there for 14 years, uh, only to find out that it was not a, a regular, right? Well, it wasn't a, a recognized; it was a clandestine lodge. Um, and another two years after that, trying to figure out how to how to make myself righteous, um, I ended up uh, knocking on the doors of the Grand Lodge of New York, um, and uh, extensively just uh, starting all over again, as they would say, um, and really. Um, immersed myself so much in Freemasonry that I, you know, became um, an ardent, um, you know, studier of research and, and education, you know, speaking across uh, several um, uh, continents and uh, and also just recently being the past uh, junior, uh, elected junior grand warden of the Grand Lodge State of New York uh, for about uh, three years, given the pandemic, you know, give or take a year or two. Um, so it's a pleasure to be with you and a pleasure to be amongst my brethren. Fantastic. Well, we thank all of you for being here. I'm super stoked to get into the conversation this evening. Just before we do that, we want to give you guys an opportunity to join us here at Historical Light, help us continue the mission and keep growing strong. Been doing this since 2016, loving every minute of it, and uh, your guys' support helps us do that. If you're interested in joining the Historical Light team, you can definitely do so at the website, historicallight.com slash support. But with that, we got a really really juicy episode this evening so we got brought around this conversation because of brother ryan flynn's art which has been phenomenal he's been a uh, really an asset to the craft over the last several years we see these wonderful pieces come out um, that really spark in conversation uh on a wide scale that people you know people are able to relate to those visual uh, mediums and that conversation gets started through a lot of people that i don't think ever would have those conversations in the first place so that has been beautiful brother ryan flynn did a painting recently uh, of brother prince hall and went to the extent of wanting it to be a very historically accurate painting and that's where these brothers here come in helping make sure that every bit of this painting had deep uh, meaning and historical accuracy behind it. So I think it's obligatory here for people joining in that may not be fully up to who Prince Hall is, uh, his legacy, and why he's so important both historically and today. Uh, if you brothers wouldn't mind just to give a quick rundown about our uh, brother Prince Hall. Oscar, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> So brother, brother Prince Hall, if um, 
if you look at things from the American Freemasonry perspective, their their key pillars um, from a historical perspective as to who are, um, if you want to call them, our patron saints um, if, of Freemasonry from American context. So um, Prince Hall is one of those key foundational um, individuals who uh, whose names would essentially uh, outlast uh, Freemasonry if you want to if you want to say it in that context. He and uh, fifteen gentlemen essentially were able to. To, um, have the first um, lodge of primarily of men of color um, in Boston in the 1700s. Um, and as a result of that, um, not only was he a very strong abolitionist, he was very uh, much into education. You know, he was very much in tune with current affairs at the time um, and, and was very, um, very open in his uh, conversations and his petitions and his uh, trying to really fight for for the plight of people of color uh, in Boston and, and, and in the uh, northern uh, states at that time. And his legacy is one that by virtue of being kind of the, uh, the, the spirit behind the growth of this first lodge, African Lodge Number 1, which then became African Lodge 459 under the Grand Lodge of uh, England, um, that has kind of spurred this 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 momentum, if I can say, this 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 guiding light, um, where men of color who were not necessarily able in a easy fashion to become members of the Masonic fraternity uh, for the obvious racial, racial and, and disparate issues that we see in the history of America, you know, they were able to find a solace. They were able to find that home, uh, and they were able to grow not only with their stature within Freemason, but also within the community and the context context through that umbrella of what Prince Hall was able to set um, as the guiding post for what is what has now become Prince Hall Freemasonry uh, across the world. That's fantastic. So, Brother Ryan Flynn, what brought this painting about? Was this something that you just wanted to, is this a project that was on your list or, or how did this come about? Uh, it actually was. So, um, after I was a Masonic artist for a while, I realized that um, I needed to figure out how to do portraits. I had never been a portrait artist before because it's hard. It's it's very hard. <laughs> and, um, you know, there was the list of the famous Freemasons that I wanted to do eventually, you know, Washington, all the uh, insert famous na Mason name here. And Prince Hall was on it. And I knew that there was no actual realistic portrait of him taken during his life. I knew... Um, most of them were kind of, um, to be frank, most of them, yeah, they, they were, they were, they were the whitest looking black man that you could find in colonial attire with a white wig. And, you know, you know, my name's Kevin on his jacket, you know, something like that. You know? And, uh, I knew that that, that wasn't right. So it wasn't the, it was on my mind for a while. Um, what started it was, um, I, I also belong to the to a Blackmore Lodge for 127 in in North Carolina, and I think it was early 2020. Um, the, uh, there was a, a Prince Hall Lodge that burned down, a historic one in North Carolina, and uh, yeah, and I um, no, I started thinking maybe I could help them with something, and now was the time. You know, if I do a portrait or do something for this lodge. Uh, maybe they can get on their feet again. And um, so I reached out to the Grand Master, uh, called him up, and he was just on the phone with me kind of 
wax days ago. Yeah, do a painting. That'd be great. You know, I appreciate it. And then we kind of forgot about it for a little bit. Um, so the first person I reached out was brother Oscar. You know, I said, Hey, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And, um, he immediately said, we got to get Ken on board. And we started kind of figuring out what we wanted to do. And, um, you know, over the next roughly a year, it, it was just fine tuning and tweaking until we got something that we liked. That is fantastic, man. Fantastic. So, you know, I, I had the pleasure, uh, being out there for Masonic Con and, and Ezekiel Bates Lodge, we uh, we did that little detour. Of course, everyone makes fun because that's where I got lost, and they they found me at Prince Hall's grave. But <laughs> phone dead an hour before my plane takes off. You know why not? But being able to visit Prince Hall's grave uh, was honestly quite the experience for me. I, I'd, I'd read a lot about the history and the individual, and I don't know. Reading that and seeing it on paper is one thing. Standing in front of a man's tombstone is entirely another. Uh, and it definitely brought on a connection there that I was quite impressed with. And the memorial tombstone they have is epic, obviously. But it really hit me when I looked behind and saw the actual tombstone uh, with you know him on the front, his wife on the back. And that was like, wow, move this thing aside. <laughs> I got I to gotta see this. So... The legacy that he paved a way for in the craft today, uh, in my personal opinion, I, I think has been the largest and the most important for the level ability of, of brotherhood in general. Do you guys think when he was going through what he went through, starting this endeavor into masonry that it would ever take and, and exist how Freemasonry is today with Prince Hall and not entirely seeing eye to eye, but at least most of our grand jurisdictions are at the point of uh, recognizing each other and, and having, you know, brotherhood existing there. Do you guys think that he would ever have imagined it coming to what it is today and hopefully continuing to grow? I don't think you would have expected it take so long. But then again, you know, he, um, you know, and, and not to speak, of course, on, on, on behalf of, but just these are my perceptions, you know, his tenacity, um, his, um, his, his confidence, you know, um, in his mindset from just reading about him and reading his own writings, you know, um, he was just a go-getter. Um, and a go-getter in all walks of life. He didn't matter what station in life, he was going to make things happen. Um, and I think that's why that's such an inspiration for so many uh, to realize that here in the 1700s, here's, here's a group of men you know, with, a, with a charismatic leader um, and other leaders within themselves who you know, just try to make things happen for his people and not just do it for the sake of having a title to sit on and be like, oh, look, I got this and you know, no one else get in, like, but actually literally utilizing it for public good pass on to Ken. Absolutely. Um, again, you know, the if we look at it in, in, in the truest fashion, would Prince Hall recognize the Freemasonry of being with today? Uh, in, in, if we're just being honest, no, because it would be one Freemasonry, um, which is the one that he actually joined, but what you end up seeing mm -hmm. is, you know, the fractured status of uh, uh, what we call America's greatest sin, and that's that 
that um, that proverbial issue of race uh, and um, sure. you know the, the the remnants of slavery. But going beyond that, we end up seeing that that legacy of Prince Hall with social justice issues, being involved in um, government, um, having your people organized. That and what I see in, in terms of what we consider what as a Prince Hall Mason, what we consider Prince Hall Freemasonry, that tradition has continued from not only then up until today with the Thurgood Marshalls, with the um, John Lewis's, you know, up until today, that legacy is still holding strong, still holding on to the true tenets of Freemasonry where all men um, should be judged by the contents of their character. Um, and, and we all meet on the level. So I, I do believe that in some in some means he would he would recognize it. But at the same time, in some means, I think he say we still got a little bit more work to do. Oh, yeah, definitely have work to do. I mean, I, I think that's in the essence of masonry. Right. You're always you're always trying to smooth out that rough ashlar. You know, in in the comment you made of split or divided Freemasonry in that sense that. That is a good point. And I've had that conversation with Prince Hall brothers here and, and other brothers uh, in quote unquote mainstream masonry. In in today's world, that it, it is looked at very oddly like that. I, and I've heard brothers in Lodge before saying, why don't they just get rid of Prince Hall masonry? We can all just be one. That's tough, right? Because Prince Hall masons don't want to get rid of Prince Hall masonry, same as we wouldn't want to get rid of our lodges. There's history, there's legacy, there's there's family, there's bond, there's experience there. But what what gets me is the fact that we still look at it in the fact of, oh, that's Prince Hall Masonry and this is mainstream masonry, instead of how we look at Kansas versus Missouri versus Virginia. We're just grand lodges. <laughs> Prince Hall versus whatever you want to call mainstream masonry it's a struggle of a dividing point that i see but i do definitely see that as a mental divide in a lot of people they they view them completely separate so yeah i what what are your guys's thoughts on that i mean if i can hop in real fast uh, yeah i think it was i think it i think it might have been you oscar that may have said it um Prince Hall Freemasonry is mainstream Freemasonry. We come from the same well, literally the same well. Um, and the, the the turn that Prince Hall Freemasonry of today took is a part of American culture. It's just a part of our culture. It's you know it's that thing that we we still deal with from the beginning all the way until today. Um, we are mainstream Freemasonry like it or not, um, whether people want to accept that or not. Um, but again, the terms that we have to take, the paths that we have to chart to get through this um, course where we are today, um, it's, 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 it's not a straight line, but it's all, we're all connected with anyone that calls, considers themselves as Freemasons. You know, we, 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 we come from the same spring. And as we move forward, I think that, you know, um, that that idea and that concept of uh, we practice the same Freemasonry, you know, the, mm -hmm. there has to be a VSL, you know, uh, you, you initiate, pass and raise your brethren. You know, we have a, a, a Grand Lodge, which gives out charters to subordinate lodges. So that entire idea of mainstream Freemasonry, uh, 
which you don't hear overseas versus right. America. Right. It, it, it's, just a, it's, it's this anomaly that we, we've created just because of our, our experiment yes. in democracy, you know, and, and that's just the reality of it. And, and I think that, you know, um, two is always better than one. Two is always better than one. But, you know, as long as we're headed down that same path, let's let's continue to down that same path as brothers. A hundred percent. It's a beautiful way to look at it. And I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So in regards to the accuracy and history of this particular uh, painting, I know, Brother Oscar, I think you said you had some slides. I don't know if we want to go ahead and throw those up and continue the conversation that way. or Sure, it'll help, it'll help with the narrative here. Let's see. While he's pulling that up, I, I'd just like to say that, you know, um, I, I live in New Hampshire, right? So um, we don't have yeah. a, a Prince Hall Grand Lodge in New Hampshire. We have one, in, obviously, in Massachusetts down there. So for the first um, couple of years of, of masonry, I had no idea what Prince Hall masonry was. I, I had never heard of it because I was never exposed to it. And when I found out about it, I, I actually remembered being very disgruntled about it because it had to exist and I, and I, the reason i mean i say that is if you had told me the day i petitioned my lodge that masonry was so segregated to use the, the word that prince hall grand lodges needed to be needed to exist in order for the stuff that we all take and vow to uphold i probably would have told freemasonry to pound sand and walk away um, and, and through, through this project, you know, it, it's, it's allowed me to have a different viewpoint of, of Prince Hall and experience more discussions of it. Um, you know, I definitely went through the, the thought process when I first, when I first heard and, you know, was still trying to understand what was going on here that, you know, you know, why aren't we all in just one big lodge? But, um, you know, I've heard some some phenomenal discussions and been part of some great conversations that make me embrace what was just said, you know, it's, it, they are mainstream. And the, the fact that it's not treated as mainstream universally is, is an embarrassment in my opinion. I know I'm not speaking as my grand lodge officer and, you know, I'm speaking for me here, but you know, uh, that led me down the path of always wanting to do this portrait. It was just like, why, why the hell doesn't he have a portrait that does him justice? Cause he sure as hell should. And, uh, it was just, a, it was just a thought process that was always in the back of my head. Alex, is the showing now? Yeah, it should be up on the main screen. All right. Um, so yeah, as, as Ryan kind of did the intro on the making of the portrait, um, and we kind of discussed, there are all these images that exist of Prince Hall, um, and none of, the, and they're all renditions, you know, they're just someone's yeah. perspective or someone's, um, you know, um, in some cases, uh, wishful thinking, um, and in other cases, you know, just trying, of course, um, to develop something to illustrate who this great, who this great individual was, but, you know, one of the things that you could see um, when Ryan had brought up the conversation, the first thing I think both Ken and I say, you're not going to have him in a wig because but men, you know, black men weren't walking around Boston wearing wigs like, 
George Washington and those other guys were, um, et cetera. That, it just that idea was shot down real quick. <laughs> you know, you know, so, but, but it just goes to show it's this kind of transliteration um, of, of where and what the image were, of course, in maintaining the social uplift and trying to really um, trying to really come up with something that gave a much better perspective. Uh, and of course, a lot of this is based off of William Grimshaw, who has been notorious for fabricating a lot of stories about Prince Hall that unfortunately um, several folks have uh, taken as the gospel, um, despite the fact that the evidence says otherwise. Uh, so just putting that in context, when you look at the images that exist uh, that have been put out there, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting as far as why uh, the effort came about. Um, so, you know, we had the mission, of course, you had Ryan, Ken, myself, you know, trying to figure out how we can uh, provide something of substance. Uh, and I'm going to pass this over to Ken, because this is uh, one of the key points that was really important. Uh, Ken? Yeah. So, so in 18, uh, excuse me, in 1788, uh, the Colombian Pernicid um, publishes this article and it, it, it spreads like wildfire throughout the, uh, the Eastern seaboard. And what, what ends up happening is the, the article that accompanies this actual, the, the, the Colombian Pernicid article is actually a jab at uh, the black Freemasons um, of African Lodge. And what they, when they originally published this, um, this article, they, it was more of a, a satirical introduction to talk about these black Freemasons and um, all of this pomp and circumstance surrounding the Colombian um, Pernicet article. But what you, once you read it, you actually start to get a, a, a view. And as a Freemason, when you go through this, uh, this oration, you actually start to see how the lodge is set up. You have you actually see some of the articles within the lodge. You actually start to hear some of the historical framework in terms of um, Africa, in terms of art, in terms of literature, in terms of uh, arts and sciences. And and from the historian standpoint, when you actually look at this Colombian article, the it says that the oration is given to the Grand Master, which is actually the Worshipful Master, and the Wardens and Brethren. And if you are actually a student of history, you'll, as a historian, the, the, the person that gives the oration is a gentleman by the name of John Morant, Reverend John Morant, who ends up studying in, I believe it's, uh, I forget where he studied, oh my goodness. Uh, I think he studies at Queens College or St. John's College. He studies ab abroad um, and he studies theology and he ends up coming back to the States. But what's something that's very interesting about this article um, that I did a video on actually, and it talks about it. It talks about the man, this, this oration was actually given in Mandingo, in the Mandingo language, not in English, but it's published in English. So, this is a very, very interesting article uh, that actually, again, it goes as a snub to African Lodge, but as a Freemason, if you're reading it, you're, you're saying, hold on, these guys, there's something in here, but in, when, you, when you read closer 
even more so in an anthropological or a historical context, these guys are hitting on some very extremely um, amazing topics and some of the subjects that are going on in there. In 1788, where these men were still uh, considered chattel, even though they were free and not even Americans, but they were, what were they? So I'll let, uh, I'll let Oscar move, move forward with this, um, I guess, in this part of the discussion. So part of the element in that was that, as Ken mentioned, it describes the layout of the lodge. And it was really a table mm -hmm. lodge or a, or, a, or a lodge of refreshment at the time where this oration was happening. So for us, we, ju we just, you know, when Ryan said, hey, I want to make a portrait, I'm like, you got to use, you got to use the Columbian, you know, um, because it actually describes how Prince Hall is presiding in the East and how all these brothers are around. Um, and, you know, in, in this wire frame that, that, um, that uh, this pencil frame that um, Ryan kind of drew up, it's like, okay, so should we just have him there kind of re recreate this kind of uh, social setting, which really is described in a good totality that, that gives a, gives a perspective and, and kind of like, okay, maybe this is how the, the, the portrait should come about. But as you know, it becomes real difficult because we don't know what his face really looks like. We know he's dark complexed yeah. as described in other places. So how do you manage and how do you walk through those elements while staying true to form? So from there, um, you know, Ryan figured out, well, let's 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 try to at least make sure when he is drawn, when he's painted, that his image um, does fit what is contemporary for African-Americans in the 1700s. So, you know, we know that they wore tricorn hats because everybody wore tricorn hats. We also see the description of, you know, how he would look sitting in the East and what are the, some of the elements that would make sense that were also uh, similar to the 1700s kind of images that we see of other men of, of Masonic stature. So we're just walking you through some of the behind the scenes. I know Ryan is shirking because he never likes the behind the scenes. Thing out, but <laughs> You know, you know, he has no control over this. I this, do this oh, God. <laughs> so another thing that was very important um, to recognize that every uh, every other year, within every two years, the Prince Albright Grand Lodge in Massachusetts does a reenactment of the Open African Lodge. So what you hmm. know, looking true to form, here are these brothers, you know, dressed in the in the colonial regalia to that extent and put it. So we wanted to keep it as true to form, even within the reenactment component of really illustrating that rich history and that storyline approach that has come from Prince Hall Freemasonry. So you know, Ryan starts to kind of do all this framing, looking at the elements, and and you know, he was like, Well, what should be in there? And Ken and I we were going back and forth. Okay, this should be here. That should be there. You know, have this particular layout. You know, you know, let's 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 make it in a way that not only is he sitting in a in a you know Masonic posture of that being a worship master in the East as we're focusing on him, but the elements around him should also tell the story about who this man was and what he's been known to represent and what a any Mason, especially that of a Prince Hall Mason, would see and recognize and have some degree of of pride in in the presence of that. Uh, so, you know, Ryan would tell you, and, and you know, you want to jump in here as far as recognizing that it wasn't any individual's face in particular. Ryan, do you want to, before I jump to the next one? Yeah, I, I mean, um, if it, it, it's really quite common if you look at historical paintings of historical figures that most of the time they just kind of guess to what they look like. Uh, the the <laughs> biggest 
biggest painting you can think of right now is the the famous painting of Christopher Columbus was painted a hundred years after he died. Okay, unless they had really good memories that you know they didn't do it, so uh, they really didn't know what he looked like. So, with that in mind, I wanted his face not to be the most important thing in the painting. You know, I this was a painting of the essence of of Prince Nall of Prince Hall, not Prince Hall himself. Um, so when I, I went, like when I went to figure out what the face was going to look like, you know, these, what, the way I work is I mock stuff up on my computer. I do sketches and stuff and, you know, took some photos and just was trying, what you're seeing here is me trying to figure out lighting and how I want to light this. And, um, eventually I took a hodgepodge of three different faces and put it into a sketch that I held up and taped to the canvas while I was painting it. Um, but again, the face really doesn't matter to me as long as that it in essence was a black man of that character of that, that time frame, Um, and, uh, the rest was really more important than everything else down to the colors and the, the, uh, everything that's in the background. Um, and I know brother Oscar is going to talk more about yeah. that. So I well, we want to make sure that was stated because, you know, there's rumors going around that it was Ken and I who sat and pretended we were Prince Hall and the paintings <laughs> were just images of us. We want to make sure that's dispelled. We don't need those rumors right now. Yeah, and, well, you know, Ken, as long as they don't think it's me. Oscar had to have Ryan get rid of his, had to get rid of his dreads yeah. while he was sitting. So, you know, that, that, that happened. It was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so as of anything, you know, it starts off of a blank blank slate, right? This is the canvas where, you know, the magic began. Um and as 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 um as as our good brother Ryan mentioned, you know, he started off with his base and started building around and keeping us up to date as to okay, here's where I got today, here's where I am today. Um, so we, though we were remote, were able to physically see the growth. Um, and of course, you'll hear, you know, providing some context and um, you know, backseat driving painters, if you can, about things that uh more like you know, passenger seat driving, but that's <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ryan, if I can, one, one thing that I really enjoyed about this project, um, I know we're still going through it, but the, uh, and, and I have to commend Ryan for this, he's educating Oscar and I on even the posture, how the hands sit, what they mean. There's, 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 when you look at this, you're just seeing, okay, it's a guy sitting in a chair. It's a worshipful master sitting in a chair, holding a charter and a gavel as Freemasons. But as a, as an artist, uh, Ryan, can you give, can you just tell them, you know, some of the, the, I guess the esoteric, uh, <laughs> conversations regarding how it's, how the composition, how he's sitting and where his hands are and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, you know, with every, everything in the painting, I wanted to make sure that it had a meaning. Um, yeah. So um, the, the backgrounds, uh, what you saw here was actually based off of uh, another painting of a statesman that uh, I found. And I was like, that's, that's, that's the position I want him in. Um, I want him stand, you know, sitting erect. He's kind of, you know, he's proud. Um, usually when you see people, even though it's apparently not very welcome in a Prince Hall Lodge with their, um, with legs their crossed. legs crossed like that, uh, or their souls uh, in paintings, especially around this time, that meant that he was uh, uh, in comfort, which means he was established. 
So a person who is able to relax at his at his chair like this is someone who has accomplished something in his life and is of stature enough where he can take a laxical days a laxadaisical approach to getting his portrait taken. Um, in the earlier versions of the painting, you're going to see he's holding this charter that Oscar's going to um, that's that Oscar's going to talk about. My original idea was him to hold it specifically like that because I had it acting as a level. Um, that his charter was on the level with all the other charters that were out there. Um, as I moved forward with the painting, I realized that it was not helping the composition. Uh, composition's all about motion and making sure your eye moves across the canvas. You know, that's why I have the curtains behind him moving in the same direction of his body so that it's pleasing to the eye as it walks by. And it also frames whatever's outside the, the window itself. So um, with all paintings of that era, you know, everything in the painting had a meaning and um, even the positioning and the colors and uh, especially you're going to see in all these photos, I really, really struggled with his expression. Um, it's a very hard thing to paint and I didn't want him to come off as goofy, obviously, but I didn't want him to come off as angry or, or, or anything like that. I wanted this resolute look on his face. So... And, and another thing that's really helpful, you know, when just a play on some subtleties, um, Prince Hall, and this is one of the unfortunate rumors that has been de developed over a course of time, you know, people say, well, Prince Hall, he was a provincial grandmaster. He never was a provincial grandmaster. Um, he was a past master and he died as a past master. Uh, of course, he has risen in stature in Prince Hall Freemasonry. So, you know, posthumously, you know, you could obviously say, yes, he is the, you know, he could be grand, he is in, in essential, in essence, you know, the grandmaster of all things Prince Hall, but he wasn't a grand master in the in the frame or provincial in the way uh, that we know historically but that didn't mean we were going to negate his majesty to that extent you know his, his attainment sure. so that's where you see the deep rich purple you know in, in addition to the blue which is you know you know contiguous with that of you know the craft lodge and the the, the, the work the work that he put into it. Now, what is also interesting is, as we mentioned, there are all these elements of things that are that are going to be um, cemented into the the painting. So, uh, this interesting this interesting uh, description here is from um, characterizing uh, the assassination of four men uh, by the by some British troops at the time, which essentially led to the Boston Massacre. What is interesting, the first the first man who died was was an African brother, a man of African descent called Crispus Attucks. Um, and this was just a couple, you know, a number of years before the infamous charter was uh, was 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 arrived, or I should say uh, their infamous first lodge was created um, in uh, 17 but the interesting component was how we knew Prince Hall knew of, because he's in Boston, they know of this particular incident, which was a driving force um, in the American Revolution, for lack of a better word. So this component is integrated on the table that sits uh, to right outside the window and under the charter. So we wanted to find ways. And, and what is also unique about this is uh, the individual who we know uh, who drew this particular um, image, which was later found in um, in a newspaper column, was Paul Revere. So here you have all these interconnected parts. So we wanted to make sure that element was included, and it will appear, and you'll see it later on. Uh, of course, as Ryan mentioned, you know this perspective of the charter 
charter. Now, this charter, um, needless to say, uh, is, has been a bone of contention in American Freemasonry or American society for uh, more than 200 years. Um, and part of the fact of the, as Ken kind of pointed, the negative implications of our societal ills of telling someone that they did not exist or this charter was not real or it was ill-begotten. This charter is the same uh, as many of the other charters that exist in uh, continental America that permitted men to meet as Masons. And this was a charter that they they um, were, which was granted in 1784 by then the modern Grand Lodge or the Grand Lodge of England at that time. So th- it, it, it was very much guaranteed that that charter was going to be present in this portrait. Uh, And as you can see, as Ryan mentioned, it was appearing on his hand and held in his hand. And if you look very closely, you can see you know how the um, uh, and on the papers drawn there. Not only do you see those four coffins that illustrate the newspaper article with Christmas attacks, but other other writings that Prince Hall was very well known for, like including the petition that he wrote to free um, to get um, African Americans, you know, free from slavery or even return to Africa by virtue of trying their best to uh, survive in the society. So we wanted to make sure the fact that he was an ardent writer uh, and an avid writer was illustrated in this particular, um, you know, as much the items around uh, his persona. Now, as Ken mentioned, the Parnassus, um, there was even in that description a a description of a pyramidal cone. Now, most folks are like, well, wait, it's a pyramid. If you saw one of the earlier drawings, you know, Ryan kind of drew a pyramid. I'm like, it's not a pyramid. It's it's a it's a cubic stone. Um, now, to European Freemasons, they know what a cubic stone is. Um, to American Masons, we kind of focus on the perfect Ashler and we forget the pyramidal top to that cubic stone. So this is actually an, uh, one of the cubical stones that I got when I was in France. And I, you know, I showed it to Ryan and company uh and can you know to really show like no this is this is something that masons would have because it was part of the masonic lexicon at that time so as you see now you know the 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 items are starting to grow they're starting to really develop and really put into position and match what is described um, in that Columbian magazine and newspaper article that describes how those brothers were uh, presenting themselves at that time. Uh, then, uh, as things got a little trickier, if you're just going back for a minute, we, we got to the end where, you know, Ryan was ready to go. He just has to finish everything out. And then we got a little bit of information. In particular, one of the brothers from Massachusetts had written a book about the archives of the African Lodge, uh, and in it he describes Prince Hall's apron that he wore while he was worshipful master. So uh, the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts, Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Massachusetts actually has this apron. Um, and here you see it in one of their display rooms um, of African Lodge. And we were able to at least try to identify some more pictures of it. And we're going to get to this in a second. But one of the other elements was also the tracing board. Ryan wanted other things in the room to show that it was Masonic, that it wasn't just a guy sitting in, the, sitting in a chair. So the tracing boards in the 1700s were especially from the modern Grand Lodge era, um, who was in communication with Prince Hall, we would understand that he would at least have uh, a description and and utilize that. Um, And as I mentioned, when we got this image of his actual apron that he is known to have worn, we came back and said, stop the presses. You got to start all over again. Um, And, you know, Ryan was not happy. 
He was not happy. <laughs> it was, it was happy. Campbell that got me. That was, I think you get to that later. I was, I get to that. I get, I get to that one next. But the interesting thing about this, this apron, it, it his, his, his widow, which you just mentioned, who was buried alongside of him, his widow actually held this apron for a while and turned it over to the brothers of that lodge. Uh, and they, they're able, in that book by the brother, were able to illustrate that they still had, and they verified that this apron did exist. So we're like, you got to have his apron on if, if that's the apron that he wore. Um, and then one of the other elements, because Ryan spent a great deal of time and energy trying to infuse certain aspects of, you know, things into the uh, into the painting. Uh, and he was very, most especially proud of the gavel because he was able to, you know, think, well, Irish Military Lodge or Irish, or Irish John Bat was Irish. He could put it in some pieces. And we had to say, no, um, he actually had a ivory gavel. And as much as you have this nice intricate little, you know, gavely thing you got, you got to make it into ivory. So he didn't like us at all. You know, you know, you, you can't have historians critiquing your work while you're, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't that it was had to be replaced. I get that. You were just like, just make a white one. And I was like, yeah, you me. <laughs> so if you notice, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Ken, go ahead. And, and and again, a part, you know, a part of, you know, when you look at the picture, it's so many things going on inside of the inside of that frame that you when you look at it, you got to go through each section and there's something going on with each section, even the picture of water, even the inkwell with the with the uh, with the quill, um, the, the, the writings you have, the, uh, the, the cubic stone, so many things are going on inside of this that, again, as just look just off of face oh it's it's prince hall he's he's sitting down that's that's what you get but when you start to get the the story behind it of why that we consider that you know the historical historical accuracy his face matters not it could have been a blank face but it's the idea that we were able to really grab all of this um, information from a historical record and put all that all of that together and the way that ryan just he had to deal with Oscar and I and was able to put that on canvas. You know, that within itself is amazing. And he, and he, and he still has his beard. So, um, <laughs> so, so, it's, so it's, it's amazing that he was able to keep going with that. Another quick quick item. So, as you mentioned before, if you notice in the earlier earlier components of the painting, you know there was um, the image outside. So, what was going to be outside? So, part yeah. of the argument or discussion, maybe it's Boston Harbor, Boston Harbor in the 1700s. You know, the charter came in on a boat. You know, many of the Prince Hall Masons were maritime; they worked on ships. And he had that infamous thing where he was able to get some kidnapped brothers from a slaveholder, you know, in in the Dutch islands to send back. So, you know, all these things. And then there's Fano Hall. It's, if you were um, anyone in Boston, you were going to look for something that's a um, that's a landmark, something that's easily recognizable. And of course, unfortunately, Fanel Hall was associated with slave, you know, um, um, you know, markets, and even to that extent. So we were able to go even further and identify uh, that Prince Hall did attend a church. 
Uh, and the reason why that's important, as you know, anyone who knows the Prince Hall Masonry, is that the growth of Prince Hall Masonry did go hand in hand with the growth of the Black Church, the African American Church, and he was a significant uh, member of his uh, his uh, his church and his faith. And we were able to find uh, a depiction of uh, his church um, and the time period when he was there, and to historically, you know, benefit. And that was what I, uh, we were able to decide on what should be in the window. What should be in the window pane, um, and I think that's even more striking because it also te- it also speaks to the not only the volume of effort of the man that's within, but the man that's without, um, and uh, illustrative, of course, of where Prince Hall Masonry is and how they have grown with respect to both the balance of the physical, the mental, as well as the spiritual. So that all said, uh, we had to figure out a way and Ryan was able to bring it down to North Carolina. Uh, I was able to uh, attend and sit in. Unfortunately, uh, I know Ken wasn't able to, but we, we, we were all there in spirit where it was uh, presented um, to the Prince Hall Grandmaster of um, North Carolina by the then Prince Hall Grandmaster, I mean, by the Grandmaster of North Carolina uh, and Ryan and myself, where we give the description of what, uh, what laid out this particular particular um, um, design, this portrait, um, and we're, it, it was just so fitting to see it um, finally, you know, come from an idea um, <laughs> built with some frustrations <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, really, truly enhanced that spirit of brotherhood because in the goal of getting this project done, I would say the three of us grew very, very close. Um, you know, the, we, we learned so much from each other um, and it's part of a process of saying you could actually see the outcome of an idea and, and an outcome of why this is important, not to just make yet another painting of Prince Hall or say this one is the best, but to try right. to at least be historically accurate um, and contribute something of value uh, to the community and to Sub Valley as a whole. Um, because as we, we would always say, when Prince Hall died in 1807, uh, that Prince Hall Freemasonry is American Freemasonry um, and American history and Masonic history as a whole. And I'll turn it over to my colleagues in case they have additional pieces they want to add. I, I just uh, 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 forgive me, Alex. I, I still want to ask. Uh, I still want to ask Ryan. Well, what was again? I love looking at it. I got. The, I have my. I have my poster of it. What, what was the? What was your favorite parts of putting that together? And uh, because seeing all those different pieces in there and. And again, it's not the face for me. It's the it's the minute details that you put in there. What was the what was the, your favorite portion of that? You know, you're gonna laugh. Um, the process of us, you know, the edits, the the frustrations, and getting close to you guys was was the best part. It really was. Um, you know, it was a labor of love, and I knew it wasn't gonna be easy. Um, Honestly, this was the first painting I ever did where I was freaking out about it, like losing sleep over this. Um, you know, you can you can ask my wife about it. Like there was parts of it when when things weren't looking good or I was getting frustrated, I was not sleeping, um, and it it was it was <laughs> it was pretty stressful uh, because I knew that if I did this right, it could mean a lot to a lot of people. So. Uh, we joke all about those edits and erasing my amazing gavel and, <laughs> and that sort of thing, but like it, it was such a cool experience to work with you, you guys, and and become closer. It was just it's what masonry is all about, right? Um, and um, honestly, giving that painting away is 
without question my my top Masonic moment of my life, and I I doubt I'll ever beat it. Um, you know, just the just to see the look on DT's face when he got it was like, all right, I'm gonna cry now. So, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's uh, I'm so happy we did it, and and I'm 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 also really happy that you guys are getting as much credit with this as I am because it was a team effort. I, I put the paint on the canvas. You guys told me what to do. So <laughs> um, it, it would not have worked without you guys. I appreciate it. Alex, I, I got to say thank you for even yeah. wanting to discuss it. You know, uh, a lot of people out there don't understand the significance of it, but we really appreciate the fact that you highlighted this and brought this out um, globally. No, the, this is a conversation that, that has to happen. And, you know, not to discount any of your, your work, Ryan, it, it's all phenomenal. But I have to say, when this one came out, it hit me the most. I was like, this is it. This, this is what Ryan's going to be known for right here. I mean, I didn't have the pleasure of being on that, that back-end frustration and watching it go through everything that I just saw, which I'm sitting here blown away watching the stages of this. But seeing the progress reports that, you know, Ryan would throw up on Facebook, I was waiting for him all the time. And I, I knew this was going to be a huge project, but I, I, I at least hope I, I share that when I saw that unveiling just through Facebook was a huge proud moment for me. I, this is a milestone in Freemasonry, but I guess the point that I love so much tonight seeing this process is I worked construction for a number of years and I never understood how that mess of a field could come together in these beautiful buildings. I mean, every different crew in there had different blueprints and those blueprints changed hour by hour, day by day, and no one else got notified. So it was always a mess, but in the end, somehow it came together. And I saw so much of that in this process tonight of, I don't even know how Ryan brought that to be to, to have something on canvas and then be like, no, 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 no. We got something better. How do you say no to that? First of all, because it, it's gotta be that accurate portrait. It's just, it's not going to be what you're going after, but how the hell <laughs> do you make changes of that magnitude and still make it flow and work so beautifully? I guess the other thing, no, go ahead. Sandpaper. <laughs> <laughs> that shocks me even more somehow. I feel <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, uh, you, you don't want to. You don't want. You don't want to tell you what happened when he. I mean, he applied the glaze. He's like, oh crap, the glaze. Oh yeah. Up everything. Oh, so <laughs> what didn't make it to Facebook? <laughs> so I let it dry, and I have to transport it, so I have to varnish it, and. um Varnish, you know, seals the painting, and I mixed up my varnish. I got it all ready. I put the painting down, and I just painted the varnish on, and the painting went gray. Like, it dried in a manner where it dulled the whole painting, destroyed it, uh, to the point where I was almost going to have to start over. Um, so I literally bought 2,000 foam Q-tips <laughs> and uh, uh, two or three bottles of whiskey, and <laughs> locked myself in the studio and had to uh, clean the varnish off uh, with Q-tips. Took me probably a month. Um, I was not. Ha you didn't want to be around. Me. Did not want to be around. Me. <laughs> like, 
people don't realize the labor of love that that man did. Exactly. That labor of love that that man did. Yeah, I I had no idea that even happened. And I didn't tell anybody about that because (laughs) he wanted to put it behind him. Now. I can see that. Like, if it was me, I think I'd be the same way. Like, nobody's going to know about this. Yeah. But that's something people need to know about because, I mean, that that's a testament to the skill and labor and love that you put into this. But, you know, wait, wait, one wait, of the huge things... And I'm sorry, Alex. We need to leave no, him no. alone during that time period. Yeah. That, that 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 was not the time yeah. to come out. Well, well, you know, we think that no, no, yeah, we'll, we'll leave him alone. In about a month. I wonder what's going. On. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, uh, can we move everything just an inch to the left? I think. <laughs> the square isn't squaring. Oh, yeah. okay. Yep. Go ahead. Do your thing. Oh, he needs to be on a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. After all, I like that table idea. Let, let's go ahead and do that. <laughs> no, you know, going in this tonight, one of the biggest questions in my mind was not knowing what Brother Prince Hall looked like, how you even bridge that gap of, of entering, what are we going to make out of this face? And obviously the, the symbolism was huge when I saw the painting. It, it's, it's even more hearing the research and stuff and, and just the intense detail behind it tonight. But it, it, it's so impressive. And it, I guess it kind of hit me hearing that, that the face could have been blank because Prince Hall is that photo. It, that, that's his spirit, his essence, is everything you see there. And that, that hit me pretty hard there. I, I, I love that aspect of it. I, I'm also majorly impressed of the amount of stuff that you guys were able to pull up historically accurate to place in here to really bring out the essence of Prince Hall, show who he is, but also that you're able to classly put so much of that in there without it looking like an episode of hoarders. Like that also blows my mind because it it flows so well. It's just, it's perfect. And, and even speaking about the face, um, there's a piece that I guess Ryan didn't know, you know, he's always going to be shy to the extent. But when you think about the historical context and when you like, what does someone look like and how old was he at the time? And we knew that he wasn't he wasn't a he wasn't an 18 year old, 19 year old. He wasn't like, you know, uh, he, he was, you know middle-aged or you know middle into that regard so ryan actually worked on making sure that 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 agent worked in a way uh that uh while we say black don't crack they at least have um, a potential of making sure that his image is still one that shows he's he's been through stuff you know he's been through a lot but he also is a man of status and a man of stature and a man yes. of, of growth. So I think that was something for me that I always uh, admired that, you know, after he, after he doled it up and did the, did the composite, then he started touching it up. And I, I thought that was really something remarkable that, you know, not, not, not a lot is said about. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. As we're moving into our toast here before I, I forget this thought, because it, it deserves to go, uh, as a forefront piece here, you know, Ryan mentioned this that he may have put the ink or I guess paint on the canvas here, but like literally, this this could not have come to what it is without all three of you working together. And it's a beautiful aspect. I mean, we, we can see this in masonry through and through with ritual. You know, we can have a brother that's just the best ritualist ever, but if that ritual wasn't written, 
it wouldn't have came across and impacted, you know, our brother Mason's the way it does. If the three of you had not come together for this project, it would not be what it is and would not be, you know, the milestone and the landmark that hopefully it will continue to be for years. So uh, you guys, I applaud you seriously. Uh, you've brought this to the forefront where it, it, it just needs to be celebrated for time to come. So I, I could not not do an episode on this. I've been looking forward to it for some time. Yeah. I mean, you know, we appreciate um, so I speak for everyone else, but you know, we didn't go in this looking for, you know, for that. I think it was to contribute what little we knew um, to advise um, and to help support, you know, a brother trying to do something right and, you know, just to make sure that, you know, we, we can lend that hand. And, you know, that's why there was no ego involved because it's like, okay, you know, Ryan said, it's like, Ken got to be on the project. You know, Ken's on the project. I'm not on the project. <laughs> Ken, you're on this project. Okay. <laughs> you know, and just the way like, we're working together. Like, what am I doing now? <laughs> what am I doing now? But the one the one good thing I have to say about this is even though this was a project, I didn't know Ryan from Adam. Uh from from you know, from Adam. And because of this, again, the 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 bond of Freemasonry, even though our Grand Lodges don't recognize each other, we have some of the deepest conversations in Facebook Messenger that America needs to be have, having <laughs> some of the hard conversations, and, and and again, this is this is what this fraternity is about. And and like I said, I appreciate um, Oscar for recommending me to this and getting a chance to meet Ryan and and see him do his art uh, because you know again, in, inside of that inside of that painting is so much to be unpacked. And it, and if you if a person sees it and then they have the Colombian uh, pronounce it right next to it and they read that and they can start to put 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 things together, it's so much in there to unpack. But again, kudos to you guys and um, you did an excellent job, Ryan. Yes, sir, you did. Well, being at the uh, or just past the nine o'clock hour here, brothers, if you don't mind. Uh, Brother Oscar, would you mind to uh, offer up a toast? I, I think it would be in good favor to our brother Prince Hall this evening. <laughs> our toast to our brother Prince Hall, one of thanks, one of gratitude, one of inspiration, and one of aspiration. Uh, we hope we did justice. We thank you for your brotherhood and for your leadership, and we hope that we have done uh, a good enough job to hopefully have you smiling in that great celestial lodge on high to brotherhood fellowship and relief from brotherly love and truth. You're here. Cheers. Cheers. So the big question, brother Ryan, I, I know this painting was gifted off. Are there prints available of it? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. If you go on my website, ryanjflynn.com, um, there's there's uh, limited edition numbered prints there. And you can also buy prints at MasonicRevival.com as well. Fantastic. So, brothers, be sure to check that out. We will get those links in the uh, show descriptions on the various platforms this is going out in. Uh, so you'll be able to click on that and hopefully grab yourself a copy of uh, this needs to be celebrated. I've got one of Ryan Flynn's paintings in my front room and this one's coming soon. So <laughs> it just has to go on the wall. Let's see. We got a couple comments here that I uh, want to throw up real quick. 
one from a longtime fan and he's been on the show several times with his brother Maddox here uh, came on earlier. Uh, there it goes. He said the black George Washington image always bothered me. Never felt it was anywhere close to accurate. Never liked it. Yeah. Understood. Can, can <laughs> understood. Understood. Uh, we totally understand. And uh, we totally understand. And that's one of the, one of the big things that I think all of us as a collective wanted to stay away from that using that George Washington image and then uh, regurgitating it. And, and again, Ryan, the way that Ryan worked on that, because uh, he said, I don't want anybody to sit for it. I don't want anybody to sit for it because I don't want anyone saying that's X, Y, Z person. And uh, he was absolutely right. It, it was great. It was a great thing. I think the whole project started off with you saying, see this, Ryan, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> And on the, on the George Washington thing, especially in uh, in many of the lodges across the country, you know, especially with the George Washington Masonic Memorial, you know, everyone, most lodges have some image of George Washington in in and also also a rendition, you know, that that wasn't uh, that wasn't really made. Um, but one of the things I know in my own mother lodge, I gifted. Um, my copy of my print to my lodge and in the east you know, brothers are always telling me in the east you go in you see george washington you see prince hall right next to each other we have a prince hall lodge that meets in our in our building as well um but i just every time i go in there it's just it's just brothers say it's a sense of pride to know that we have these two pillars of american freemasonry side by side despite which talks so much to the progress that we still have to make and can make and for generations to come Let's see here. We got uh, two more here I'd, I'd like to highlight. Uh, this brother says, Brother Fr uh, French here says, what a privilege to come across this podcast tonight, being able to watch and listen to these brothers behind such a great historic accomplishment. And I, I have to echo his words so deeply there. And then uh, we had another one come through from Brother Maddox again uh, that I wanted to highlight here. He said, we have a print nicely framed and hanging in the west of our lodge. So how cool is that? Thank you, brother. Well, brothers, coming at, at the end of the show here, uh, we, we've covered a lot. You had guys have blown my mind with the amount of work that went into this, the amount of thought. I sincerely applaud the three of you. I thank the three of you uh, for really just going through the labors of this to make it what it is. And, and I, I pray that people see the effort that went into this and appreciate it to the, uh, the level that it deserves to be appreciated with that in mind. Is there anything else you guys would have changed about it at this point? I can see the sweat building on Ryan's forehead right now. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk to you behind the scenes. Yeah, there you go. No, no, I will say this is this is something I want to see changed about this painting right now. The fact that the three of us can't sit and lodge together and and talk about this together that needs to change. That's what needs to change about this painting right now, because the moment that happens, it's happening. We're getting together and we're going to sit and lodge and we're going to give each other a big hug and and it's oh, going to yeah. happen. Absolutely. Yeah, but you know, I I will say, even though some of our 
jurisdictions have not caught up to that. The beautiful thing is that we can still come together in platforms like this, the four of us, and have that Masonic experience together. We, we can bypass those outdated precepts that some of our jurisdictions have and bridge it with pure brotherhood. So I thank the four of you for, for coming on and, and having a brotherly conversation uh, about this tremendous work you've done. Uh, I wanna give you guys a chance uh, for any final thoughts uh, you might have about this topic. Good to go. I'm good to go. Again, this is an amazing, um, this is an amazing exercise in art and history and in, um, in uh, brotherhood and what Freemasonry is about. And it's, it's, it's been an amazing, um, it was an amazing journey to see that, that end product come up. My word, I would say, I totally echo what my colleagues have uh, and brothers have mentioned. Uh, my one admission is I tell folks, uh, you know, we did not gain any royalties for our participation, uh, but that's fine. So what I really mean to say is don't download it off Facebook and print it on a, on a laser jet, buy a print, <laughs> you know, you know, you, it, it looks much better that way um, because it really is really is remarkable to sit and see and watch and, 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 and absorb because of the intricacy and the details that Ryan was able to accomplish with his, um, with his great talent, which, you know, they teach us in Freemasonry, right? Just, just use their talents to the best ability. So thank you again for this opportunity to be on your podcast thank you brother ryan you got anything uh again just echoing uh what a great opportunity and experience this all was it, it, it life-changing really was um and um i just put it out there that just because i can paint doesn't mean or that i'm the only person who can do stuff like this you know we all owe a debt to this fraternity for providing what it does provide for us Use your talents and do something like this in your own way. It's not that hard. You just got to do it. So get out there. A hundred percent. So again, guys, thank you all so much for coming on this evening. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you guys. I, I can think just from talking to you guys and think of 20 different topics. So I really hope to get you guys back on here to talk some more. Um, to uh, echo what brother Oscar said, I, I hope this episode and scene everything that was gone through to build this work of art into what it was, uh, that it deserves not to be downloaded. As Brother Oscar said, get the print, support it, and uh, enjoy it in its purest and you know highest quality fashion. So it, it definitely deserves to, uh, to be, on the or be on the wall in all of our lodges. So I hope you guys definitely uh, check out the websites, and we'll get the links in there for those. And with that, I hope you all have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much for joining in, and thank you, brothers, so much for uh, taking part in this episode and bringing all the wealth of knowledge that you have. Thank you. Right. Good evening, Thanks, brothers. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.